Hello and welcome. You are listening to Gay with God, a safe place for us to share our stories and support one another. How long did we know? What challenges did we face? Did we lose our faith? When did we find our way back home? Are we still searching? The stories you hear in this podcast will melt your heart and can strengthen your belief that in God, all things are possible. And you can be authentically gay with God. I am your host, Midge Noble, and I am very honored that you are here. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Gay With God podcast. I'm so glad you're here. And I want to thank you all for listening every week, for sharing and subscribing, following the podcast and doing all the things you do to keep us visible so that our stories can be validated. So Karen Kolb is my guest this afternoon, and she is the social media manager and program director at Free Mom Hugs. She studied sociology and psychology at the University of Oklahoma. She participated in an after-viewing live event following the documentary Pray Away on Netflix in August. That is where I first virtually met Katrina and had seen her video from a parking lot urging people to watch this documentary, Pray Away, and learn how our churches treat and or support the LGBTQIA community. I was deeply moved by that video as she openly revealed that she left that parking lot that day to attempt suicide for the second time. That is when I knew I had to have Katrina on the Gay With God podcast because her story saves lives and saving lives was my only purpose behind starting this podcast. So Katrina, welcome to the Gay With God podcast. It's so great to be here, Midge. Thank you for inviting me and thank you for doing what you do. Well, thank you. You're welcome. And thank you. Um, I'm so excited to have this podcast and to be able to talk with people about their stories and to share their stories, because I really believe that the more we become visible and we can tell people what we've been through, what hasn't worked, how, you know, it's just been such a wounded past for so many of us. But then for people to see that even though we may feel wounded, we have not given in and we have not stopped, you know, fighting for our right to claim our faith, to be back in church if that's what our, we are called to do. And, um, and so every time a guest comes on to share their faith journey story, I'm just so honored that we can continue to, to tell our truth and get the visibility and the validity that we deserve. So, right. yeah. so Katrina, tell yeah. us your story. Uh, well, I can, I can jump right into the parking lot story. Okay. Uh, that I did that video because of the pray away film, which, um, was the beginning of many in the next year or so, uh, documentaries that are going to be coming out really exposing conversion therapy. Okay. Um, and you know what that means in the church and in society, And, you know, I work for Free Mom Hugs, and we've kind of come to a place of really trying to educate and help people understand that conversion therapy is more of an umbrella for a number of different things. It's not just one probably preconceived, legitimate, scary practice Mm -hmm. of trying to change someone's sexuality or um, gender identity, Mm -hmm. um, whether that's through prayer or supposed therapy or any kind of practice. There's many different levels to it. And, um, I did pretty much all of them. 
Mm. Um, as a young adult trying to not be gay Mm -hmm. and, uh, the video that you speak of, I went back to do a promo video for the pray away film and a panel that we were going to do. And, uh, the background of that is the building that I went to conversion therapy at Mm -hmm. here in Oklahoma city. Mm -hmm. And so that I chose that on purpose because like you said, um, when I, the last time I left that parking lot, um, it was a very devastating time for me because it had come apparent that all of the things that I had done were still not enough. Yeah. And, um, all of that guilt and all of that shame and not being pleasing to God mm-hmm. and being damaged and dysfunctional, um, it all came crashing down after one particular therapy session in that building. Oh. And so I departed there and um, attempted suicide, which so many um, people in the church um, struggle with, yes. uh, you know, whether that's suicidal ideation or attempts and, you know, tragically those that complete it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know that's, you know, for you, you want to save lives and I hope my story can do that. And working for free mom hugs does that. So hopefully together yeah, and get rid of this, um, on a lighter end, ridiculous notion, but also deadly notion that, yes. um, people's sexuality or gender identity can be changed. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's, that's not how it is. And, you know, and the extreme opposite of that, that we believe at free mom hugs is that we celebrate the LGBTQ community, that it's more than affirming. It's more than welcoming. It's more than tolerating. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's where the church I think has fallen short, even in those welcoming spaces of, you know, it's still, sometimes it's still kind of bad news when an adult goes to the pastor and says, you know, my child just came out and it's kind of like this heavy, oh no, okay, let's figure this out. Yeah. And, you know, it needs to be celebrated and it needs to be great news and let's yes. help you figure it out. Right. <laughs> yes. Change, change that social norm. So that's kind of what we're all up to, I think, today. Yeah. I love, I love the idea of you saying that we don't want to use the word tolerated, which was the gentle word that came out, you know, years and years ago. And I, and I, I welcomed it as a step forward you know, don't kill me, tolerate me that. Okay. We'll start there, (laughs) but it never felt quite right. But that acceptance, that word acceptance that, you know, no heterosexual couple ever has to be tolerated in our community. And I look forward to the day with the word acceptance and it just doesn't have to be a thing. You know, I think we're far from that, but I do believe that we'll get there. Um, it's just such a long path. And there's still so many people who can't be in that space of not being accepted yet, especially from, you know, the God of their understanding. And, you know, that's here, here on this podcast, I I recognize that even though I use the word God, gay with God, there are people who can't tolerate that word. (laughs) They can't tolerate that word and, or accept it back into their life. Because for me, it took this whole well, it, it's taken over 30 years for me to be able to use that word and not have a visceral of, a, a feeling of, a, of being a, a condemned. And so that's why the, and I tell this a lot on this, on this show, that that is why I chose that gay with God, because it, it hit me one day over this last year when I finally was able to transi- transition back to the pew, <laughs> I say without puking, um, right. 
I was shaking really hard, but I got to the pew and I didn't puke. Um, But I was able to finally say the word God and it took a while, but, but I've been able to say it and not have that same feeling. So that is a celebratory uh, title for this this podcast because it shows that we all can take those hard journeys and we can all live through it and we can actually get to a place where where there's some peace right even if it's not completely right definitely you know and i can i can jump forward you know in my life too and just mm-hmm. say that you know i met sarah cunningham and got involved with her and with free mom hugs and really became very keenly aware that as much as I had come out um, and thought I had gone through some healing, I realized how much internal homophobia I still really carried Mm -hmm. as I watched her hug so many people and how, how healing it was Mm -hmm. just in those moments of what those hugs really meant. And, you know, then being able to be a part of it going viral Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she made a post about being a stand-in a mom at weddings if mm-hmm. your biological parents reject you and don't want to come. And I got to answer, you know, at one point we had 50 emails an hour coming in and they were all over the country. Everyone saying, I want to do this too. Oh, great. And I don't understand why anybody wouldn't go. And, I, and it was just this constant flood of positive affirming messages of how ridiculous the other messages are that would lead a parent to reject their child on what should be the most beautiful, you know, celebratory um, day of their life. But, you know, that whole process for me kind of being the filter of all those messages, it was so healing for me in ways I didn't realize that I needed it. And, in that process, I think I just soaked up so many messages of all these moms and volunteers across the country and helping manage chapters. And they all just became this giant family of support. Mm -hmm. And, you know, where it it didn't, it didn't matter that you were gay, um, but it was celebrated. It was a fun part of who you are. And, you know, now at this point in life, um, you know, I mentioned earlier with you that I've recently turned 50 <laughs> and have finally found love and relationship. And we're heading into a three-year anniversary and, and it's an amazing healing story, you know, that it can, and it does work out wonderfully in the end. Yeah. Um, that's really good to hear. That's, uh, that is awesome. Um, so it's healing in the end. <laughs> Let's yeah. go back to when it wasn't so healing. Yeah, we can go through the yucky stuff too. You know that uh, uh, Shawshank Redemption. Have you seen that movie? Yes. Way back when. Way back um, when. But you know, there's a part of not to spoiler alert for anyone, but there is an escape from prison scene at the very end, mm-hmm. and um, tunneling and through sewers. And um, I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss on this podcast. You are. Okay. Good. Uh, <laughs> I haven't no, been able to of, stop it. So y'all go ahead. Yeah, okay, that's um, no, but one of the scenes, you know, towards the end as the movie ends and it's kind of narrated by Tim Robbins character, but he mm-hmm. said, you know, I had to crawl through a hundred yards of shit to get yeah. to freedom. Yeah. 
And from the moment I saw that movie, that has just been, you know, one of my many mottos or themes, but it's, it's so true. I think for so many in the LGBTQ community that have church trauma, uh-huh. that have any kind of experience of, you know, there is this deconstructing, there's this wounding, there's trauma, there's counseling. Um, you know, sometimes you have, and I do have physical effects uh-huh. of years of trauma, uh-huh. um, but then you do have to figure out getting yourself back and getting, you know, free to be yourself and authentic and what that looks like in that process. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. it, it can be pretty gross. It can, it, it can. and it's very painful too, especially when, you know, when we're born, it's not like we're born. And as we grow up, our parents say, now you're going to be gay and we're going right. to practice being gay. <laughs> like we yeah. practice walking and talking. Nobody knows. It's like this hidden little gift that we all carry and we don't know when we're going to open it and when it's safe to do so. Um, and, and so when did you know? When did you start coming into the realization that that you might be different than the other kids that you were hanging with? You know, I think I felt and I've said this before, I always, you know, to my recollection of memories (laughs) from childhood, I always kind of felt like I had been dropped off on the wrong planet. Mm. I wasn't quite like the other girls. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, the title of being an 80s kid that, you know, we got a lot was just being a tomboy. Uh And um, I didn't necessarily mind it, but it also wasn't really a compliment either in the majority of, uh, you know, connotations when you heard it and received it. It was definitely that thing that made you not be like the other girls Uh that you weren't, um, you know, into bows and into pink and Uh. the quarterback and all of those things. Um, But, you know, back in the eighties, there weren't really a whole lot of words for that either. There wasn't conversations. I remember, you know, the majority of anything that I saw or heard was on TV and on MTV um, and sitcoms, but you know, the gay man was the punchline of pretty much every sitcom on TV in the Mm -hmm. eighties. We were not allowed to watch soap. Yes. I remember Mm -hmm. soap. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's why. Yep. Um, And, you know, you heard all the derogatory terms, but they were geared mainly towards men, towards Mm -hmm. gay men. Mm -hmm. And there weren't a lot of words for women. And yet there was still something within me that I identified or felt Mm -hmm. the pain of those words. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know why I didn't know that I was feeling that they were about me too, mm-hmm. even though I wasn't a gay man. Um, but I still felt like I was that thing that people would make fun of. Right. And, um, mm-hmm. and I felt that, you know, through middle school and high school as well. Mm-hmm. Did your parents ever have any inclination? I, I remember my mother would ask me all through elementary school because I had this very close friend. <laughs> she was my best, best friend. And I lived and breathed for this, this girl. And uh, my mom would always ask me if I was gay. And, you know, it's interesting that I, of course, was just shocked at those questions, but um, I would always tell her no, um, because I didn't know at the time. So did your parents ever question or well, uh, I my dad passed away about 15 years ago and his passing was kind of the um 
kind of the snowball to me coming out. That was the beginning of a process of things happening. Um, and so my dad, to my knowledge, never knew. Now, would I love to have that conversation with him now? Sure. More than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom, on the other hand, was just not a communicator. And so those were not conversations that were had at all. She was a single mom um, and she was from Denmark. And it just, life was just overwhelming. And mm-hmm. I think those conversations, she just wasn't even thinking or ready to have. Mm-hmm. She was not a religious person though, at all. And so I think any of her hesitation might be more even her cultural mm-hmm. um, upbringing. She was born in 1939, Denmark occupied by mm-hmm. Nazi Germany. Um and homosexuals were persecuted right along um, with the Jews. And mm-hmm. so I think she had something in her that just didn't want that to be me. Right. Um, but it didn't have anything to do with God. Right. And I didn't find God and have that connection to being gay was a sin until I went to college and I got connected to the Baptist Student Union here in Oklahoma. <laughs> um, and that's where you know, the, the turmoil and the journey and the fight to try to be straight really dug in hard. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't remember if this was a story that I, cause I've, I've seen a couple of your videos and um, someone had gone to the back of the student union or wherever this little meeting was and picked up a pamphlet um, and started to recognize that, was that your, your story? No, okay, I think so it was, might have been, yeah, someone yeah. else on the phone. Yep. Yeah. And that's how they found out that, oh, this is a sin because before that they just thought they were coming in as themselves. And it was like, ooh, yeah. <laughs> this is you not know, I just remember feeling, and I, I know there were, you know, sexual purity conferences, yes. purity culture was big. Right. Um, and I think I heard a lot of sermons about being confused sexually. And I, I don't remember even specific, you know, hellfire, brimstone, homosexuals are going to burn in hell, but I got enough messaging that even in those sermons of all sins are the same, all sins are equal. Uh I still knew that mine was different. Uh I knew that mine carried a heavier weight and carried heavier shame and carried heavier abomination, right? Nobody talked about eating shrimp as an abomination. It was, it was my stuff that was an abomination. Yeah. And working on Sunday, that was an abomination. And so I knew, I knew that there was something different, even without someone speaking directly to me that it was. Mm. So when you, when you joined that union and you started to go through that process, tell, tell me Tell me the space that you were in and how you were able to stay in that student union. Well, uh, I was married to Jesus. There you go. Jesus took you. (laughs) Took me. I was a Jesus freak in 1989. (laughs) Um, And I mean, and it was all legitimate. I, you know, I felt Mm -hmm. all the feels. I had all the experiences. Um, I prayed the prayers. We had quiet time. We memorized verses. We went to Glen Erie, Colorado Springs every spring break to get higher to God. 
Uh-huh. Um, you know, closer to God by elevation. Yes. <laughs> um, and you know, I, I just, I just did all the things. And I think, you know, a lot of childhood trauma kind of left me open to, I got a lot of credit. I got a lot of affirmation, yes. a lot of strokes on my back, um, by being, this godly person, yeah. right. By going into ministry, um, becoming, you know, I was mentored. And then as I got older through college, then I got to become a mentor and it all just became my identity. Um, and wanting to go into, into ministry and, you know, in those times and those moments when you were like, you had feelings that you knew weren't right. When you got crushes on your best friends, mm-hmm. um, you know, all of those things that came in and you just, you just knew this was not going to work. This mm-hmm. was not okay. This needed to be getting rid of. Um, and so, you know, I went to a lot of counseling, um, And, you know, again, that's kind of where that conversion therapy umbrella is so big because there would just be basic counseling sessions that I would go to that, you know, just talked about being confused that my parents were divorced when I was young and that confused me. Okay. So can I I ask a question? I'm sorry to interrupt you, but um, I want to make sure that everybody's um, on, on the same page that we are. So through this student union, this was actually a conversion therapy like group where they mentored you away, almost like pray away that they would mentor you away from any sexual feelings. And right. as you were being mentored and then you mentored others, they were passing the torch for you then to help other people pray the gay away. Exactly. Like kind of became your testimony. Yeah. Okay. And even though you kind of knew in your gut that it wasn't all gone, yeah, you were still told to share that testimony to kind of like name it and claim it and make yourself be healed. Like the more you said you were healed, uh-huh. the closer you were getting to being healed. Uh-huh. But then your testimony of being healed w- would, you know, elude people to think that there was a chance for them to be healed too. Right. And so it just created this horrible circle of deception and desperation Mm. of, you know, like I remember sitting and listening to people talk about being healed and it made me feel horrible because I thought, what's wrong with me that God's not healing me. Yep. And then I find myself in the place of doing that same thing to other people, to the younger people coming behind yeah. me and me saying I've been healed. Yeah. And, and I know now there had to have been people in whatever Bible study or whatever audience that felt that same way of mm-hmm. if she's healed, why isn't God healing me? Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's a, that's a horrible cycle within the conversion therapy practice. Yeah. Because, um, because as you're saying it, you're, you're being told whether you feel it or not, you got to keep saying it so you can. So it's like your ticket to heaven is to convince yourself that what you're saying is working, even though you haven't changed all the feelings inside. And so to give that up means that you're giving up salvation. Right. And so to cling to your own salvation, you have to keep up the lie within yourself and, and it becomes your truth because you don't have any other option. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Oh, that is so wrong. That's where the, you know, the big, the big picture of, you know, 
legitimate brainwashing comes in. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't want to hear that word, but that's really it. That's sure really what occurs. You know, yeah. for me, I've watched the Scientology documentaries yes. and all the other ones. And, you know, we look at those and we think that is so horrible. How could anybody fall into that? How can they believe that? And it's like, listen, it's the same thing. Yes. That we want to believe it. We want to find family connection. Mm-hmm. We love you know, feeling like we have a place on the planet. We love feeling like we're good at ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just perpetuates this cycle. Um, mm-hmm. you know, again, that deceives so many people. And in that, that's what leads to depression mm-hmm. and self-harm and suicide and addiction um, and addiction, because, mm-hmm. you know, it just, it does not work. I wish that's the part that people would understand because a lot of people will say, well, you know, all those gay people just drink and drug and have sex and da 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 da. Well, you know, the, the reason that happens, and I'm not saying that addiction can't happen without this, but, but the reason that that happens predominantly in gay communities is because we are, we are self-medicating. We are numbing ourselves from what you just went through. I mean, there had to have been something that allowed you to split. And that's what trauma does. It splits our brain so that we put the truth in the back and we only focus on the survival. Right. And that's what you had to do. Yeah. And it, it definitely is coping. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you're absolutely right. You're coping with so many feelings and so many thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just want this one thing gone. Yes. That everybody's telling you, God will love you. If this one thing is gone, you'll be successful. If this one thing is gone, you can be in ministry and work in the nursery. If this one thing is gone and you're, you know, you don't realize how much your life is consumed with that one thing being gone. Right. And so even like what you said with not being allowed to watch certain TV shows, well, that was definitely a lot of those counseling sessions Mm -hmm. of you need to not listen to the Indigo girls or you're going to catch it. You're going to catch it. Serious. Oh my God. I, I have a story too. One of, of the things I had to get rid of were my Stevie Nicks Fleetwood Mac albums because, you know, she was a gypsy witch. Um, and I had to throw them in the dumpster because that was something that opened the door. You know, that, that phrase, uh-huh. um, opened the door to Satan or the spirit of homosexuality or spirit of perversion. You had to oh. like go through your life and see what things in your life were opening that door. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I had to get rid of my Stevie Nicks albums and that was very painful for me. And, you know, I shared that story with Sarah Cunningham um, a few years ago in talking about conversion therapy and the things that I went through and, you know, in total Sarah free mom hug fashion, she went out and she bought me my Stevie Nicks albums back. Oh, bless her. She but is, that's the reclaiming, right? That's the yeah. reclaiming of that's ridiculous. Oh my you gosh. You know, that doesn't make you gay. What you listen to doesn't make you gay. What you wear, <laughs> you know, I had to get rid of my Eddie Bauer clothes. I was a total lesbian. What? I love my channels and I love my khaki cargo pants with all the pockets. And I love my big Timberland boots. 
and I had a bi-level haircut. I mean, come on. Oh my gosh. I had to get rid of all of it because there's a verse that says, uh, hate even the garments that have been stained by the flesh. Oh my Lord. And so I got rid of all those things thinking I'm, I am desperate. I will get rid of anything and everything. That is why God is not healing me. Oh, oh my gosh. The, the insanity of all of that, whoever created this <laughs> cult, can I say the word cult? <laughs> Um, if uh, I can say shit, you can say cult, man. Okay, all right. So the two of us agree. Isn't that enough? Yeah. We're two yeah. or more That's right. <laughs> together. We have now ordained the words cult yeah. and shit. Okay, fine. Yeah. They're biblical. We can use them. Yes, they are. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, and that that is just so amazing that whoever created this had took everything scriptural and made sure that, that it all was for condemnation instead of looking any deeper instead of, Oh, I don't know, looking toward compassion or, you know, what Jesus said, you know, it's always about, you know, (laughs) what would Jesus do? Well, he did nothing on the subject. Isn't that substantial enough for you? (laughs) Somewhat um, nowhere in the red letters. (laughs) Nowhere. Yeah. Whoever made that. Well, and I'm sure you know, and I I assume many of your uh, listeners know, but you know, Kathy Baldock, um, Mm -hmm. she has her Canyon Walker book and she does seminars and all of that. And I mean, she goes back to the beginning of where the word homosexual got put in the Bible, what it actually means, what it was intended to say, um, and the purpose of it being put in. Mm-hmm. um was not godly and it just has perpetuated you know oh, yeah. this culture and this way of thinking and this messaging um and the messaging has definitely benefited other people mm-hmm. in our culture and i think yes. that's why it has been so difficult to mm-hmm. clear up right? oh yeah Let yeah because settle and really see yeah i mean you get involved in a cult because your fear of going to hell made you want to change whatever it was they said you had to change. On the other side, the Christians who have been fed this lie and swallowed it for all the generations of time, they stand in the fear of if I love the sin, I'm going to hell. So even if they like us as people, they can't they can't ever agree or go along with, you know, accepting us because then they're accepting the sin and now the sin's back on them. So it's this horrible fear-based issue and nobody can, well, a lot of people have, because we have a lot of gay Christians and we also have a lot of Christians who also know that gay people are not going to hell for being gay. Um, but the really deep religious people who, who have not had the chance to expand their awareness live in that fear and they won't trade their acceptance for hell for themselves. And I, you know, that's the, that's the quandary is how to get the church to understand that this is, um, it's fear-based and it's not, it's not real. They can't, they can't get past that. And I don't know how to help them get past that. And except for, we just keep bombarding the stories. You know, if if you hear the same thing seven times, (laughs) 
it's supposed to click. So maybe we just have to have one person. We should put them in a different kind of conversion therapy where we're going to accept the gay, accept the gay. (laughs) (laughs) Now you're onto something. I don't know. Let me think. It might be the coffee talking. Is it too late to drink more coffee? (laughs) No, that's good though. But I, you know, I think that's, that's it. And, and, you know, in that, in that church culture, and I, you know, I haven't been in church and I know that can be this conversation or another one, but I haven't been in a while myself, but I do know that there's so much, and there was so much in the past of you were taught that you trusted your pastor. Uh You trusted whatever person came in for the revival in the summer, right? Right, right. You, um, you just, you trusted your Bible study leader. You trusted your mentor. Um, you trusted your parents, you trust your doctor. Like there was this whole culture, your teachers, anybody in authority, you never had a right to question. Uh And that is no bigger in my opinion than in the church. Yes. There's mm-hmm. a message there that's like, mm-hmm. if you question God or you question scriptures or you dig, mm-hmm. you're somehow hurting God's feelings, <laughs> you're somehow offending God by saying, I'm going to check into these different versions. I'm going to look into the Hebrew. What does that really mean? And right. we say that and who put that in there? And, you know, all of that kind of stuff, we're taught not to touch it mm-hmm. because the Bible is the word. It is inerrant. Yep. It is out of the mouth of God and you don't question it. And you yeah. don't go back to the history of where the Bible really came from. You just take it verbatim as it is. And if you question it, you're kind of a rebel rouser, right? You're a troublemaker. Yeah. Just like Jesus. <laughs> the more table. we question, the more like Jesus we are. We're <laughs> going to turn over that table. That's right. Yeah, well, and it's a rebel. New. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's absolutely right. And, you know, it's out of the mouth of God and inspired by God and translated for King James, who told them what to put in the Bible. Right. You know, so so people really think that the King James Bible was the inspired word of God verbatim. No. Why do you think King's James? It's not God's Bible. It's King James's Bible. There's a reason for that. Yeah. Yeah. Father, Son, Holy Spirit version. Yeah. Right. Hitler's version. It's King James's version. That's right. right. That's right. Yeah. You have all of that in there and, and there is a lot of, of deconstructing. I know Mm -hmm. a lot of people are, are going through. And when you have church trauma, you know, sometimes you reconstruct and put it back together and sometimes you don't. Yeah. And sometimes you find God and peace and comfort in something completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can still fall under that umbrella of a creator and something bigger than ourselves, but mm-hmm. it doesn't always fall back into American Christianity anymore. And that's mm-hmm. definitely where I am. I know mm-hmm. other people have been able to reconstruct and, and it's great. Um, well, you know, I think me, it's I, too hard. I, I think that, and I said this in a, in a, with a previous guest that, that I think sometimes there's a big wide curve. So when we're shamed and we're beaten up as much as we are and wounded from the church and you leave those doors, you know, that, that has to stay in the background while you then take this big journey of healing, you have to claim that spiritual part of you that never left. It has always been there and deserved to be there. So when we branch out into, you know, 
looking at Buddhism, or if we look at meditation or chakras or all of the energy work, we're tapping into, I think, the primitive, real connection to spirit. You know, the Native Americans, I think, have it so deeply ingrained in them with, you know, yeah. father, son, mother earth, you know, they know the, the land and they know the connection to the creator. Um, right. And, and I think the, and I used creator of all that is for mm-hmm. my journey. I, you know, and got called out on it on Facebook one time by my mother to see if I was really, you know, still a Christian, yeah. you know, because I wasn't using the word God. Yeah. But, you I, know, I was asked recently in, in, a, in a pre-interview also, but, you know, they asked, well, do you consider yourself a Christian? Do you still call yourself a Christian? And mm-hmm. like, no, I don't because it's American Christianity and it's, it's not, um, it's not beneficial for me. And Jesus it's, didn't no. call himself a Christian either. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but for me, I see God in more places than I ever have. Good since, Good. you know, coming out of it mm-hmm. and going through all of that muck mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and, you know, finding peace and finding support and love and all of those things. It's like, you know, I see divine timing and I see synchronicity and I see all these amazing things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know it's something bigger and greater and I have no doubt about it, but it doesn't fall under all of the words that are in um, the King James version. Yeah. Well, thankfully, thankfully that's true. That means you're on the right track. (laughs) On track. I'm I'm on on a track, track. (laughs) but I like it. I like my track now. I know. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, and and the message is, there are two things that I remember as you were talking about, you know, how they can spawn all these words at us in youth group. Um, they, they taught us, and it was just one sentence, but it's all I needed to like go as far back in the closet as possible. Um, that homosexuality was like having sex with animals. Mm-hmm. So that was a, a youth group lesson yeah. on homosexuality. And yeah. then later um, I was uh, visiting my mom and I went to church with her on Mother's Day, which was you know the tradition that we'd show up for Mother's Day. And I was sitting there and the minister started, he knew I was there and I don't know if he knew I was gay or not, but um, he knew I was there and he started this mother's day message and it came down to the message of, and if you are a godly woman, you will raise your children in the church to love God to da da da. And there'll be this, this, and this. And if you are not a godly woman, you could raise a homosexual child. And I started to get up and my mom touched my thigh and leaned over and said, I know you'll never come back to another Mother's Day service, but please do not embarrass me on this one and get up. And I sat back and I thought my head was going to explode. (laughs) Painful. I couldn't believe it. So, you know, what, what you, and, and see, I think that for me, I didn't go through conversion therapy. I didn't have, you know, all of those people telling me that stuff, but I had enough people telling me about the abomination and you're going to hell. And I I had enough messages to know that I could never be that. And it, and I didn't even have an inkling that I was, but that's why I think it took so long to come out because coming out meant that I would have to 
admit to myself that I was one of those people that was going to go to hell. And I, I fought it with everything I had. And then when I finally came out, I was convinced that I would, and I, and I told the therapist that I wound up going to, that I was going to find out if I was gay because I was in love apparently with the person I was living with. And that was wrong. And, but, <laughs> and that we've tried to pray the gay away, Katrina, and it didn't work. She, she wouldn't change. And um, I of course still didn't think that I was supposed to. Uh-huh. Uh, so I told her, I said, I, I'm coming to find out if I'm gay. And if I find out that I am really gay, then I'm going to be suicidal because if I'm going to hell, I'm a fast track kind of girl. I'm not going to wait. I'm just going to go. And, uh, and she looked at me and she said, um, uh, okay. And I said, so you can't commit me because I'm not suicidal. Yeah. I'm just saying that if we find out that I am gay, I'll be suicidal then, but I'm not suicidal now. She goes, damn, I hate working with counselors because y'all know exactly what to say. So I know it's, it's crazy. And I think that people, you know, on, on a spiritual level, I think that is why it does lead to so many mm. suicides because, yes. you know, I may never enter a church again, but I do know that I'm connected somewhere to something Mm -hmm. that wanted me here. Yes. And when you go to church and you consistently hear messages, whether overt or covert, Mm -hmm. um, that that creator doesn't like what they created. Yeah. Or that you have to change the sickness. And, you know, for me, this is where my greatest pain came. I was full of faith. I was the faith girl. I believed Noah's Ark. I believed the parting of the Red Sea. I believed in a God that was that big and that powerful that created nebulas and galaxies Mm -hmm. and all the things. And for whatever reason, dropped me here. Mm -hmm. And so to me, it became a no brainer of, okay, so if I have the sickness because of childhood or because I have a domineering mom or because I have a distant dad or because I wore football socks and my soccer cleats all day long, whatever the reason was, God is big enough to fix it. This is the God I believe in, right? Uh So then what Uh does your soul do with Uh God's not fixing it? Uh I am so broken. Uh Even the God of the universe cannot fix it. Oh my God. Why would God love me and make me be something that he doesn't want to fix? Mm. So all of those things are going on inside your soul as you're desperate. Like I can't, you know, like emphasize the desperation Mm. of a gay or transgender person Mm -hmm. in those moments of trying not to be you. Yeah. Because of these things, because of these messages of it is, it's just too hard. Oh yeah. I want to be this, but you're not getting fixed either. So now what do you do? And that's where that ideation will, will come in. And that's what we have to protect our kids from. Yes. Um, You know, and we say all the time, we can ban conversion therapy all we want. And yes, it's important and we must do it because it gives a, a big message, you know, that you cannot be fixed. Right. And this is not scientific. It's not medically proven. There are no success stories, even if people tell you there are. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but you know, it's, it's just so painful for people, um, to carry the weight of not being fixed, of Mm -hmm. not being changed. When someone tells you, you can be changed and you must be changed. Mm -hmm. The story of that one man on the pray away, um, documentary that, that held that lie from him from everybody for so long and got married and then finally spoke his truth and said, you know, I never really did leave, you know, those feelings behind. I never could. And I thought that was very brave of him to be able to finally do that. But, um, you know, there was a lot of money involved in, in him continuing that, that deceit for so long. I mean, I, I get the, the allure to that, that you've, now become a national news story about how you got rid of this sickness. And when do you then give that up? You know, I mean, <laughs> that, that, that was a, a tragic story. Um, as all of the stories are tragic, you know, that everybody that's had to go through that and even by choice, because you really wanted to do the right thing. And you just didn't know that that wasn't the right thing, you know, yeah. for you, that you really, the right thing was to love yourself because you're beloved. And God never left you. And God always wanted you to be there and that the prayer wasn't necessary. God, God did not choose to fix people. God's like saying, I don't have to fix you. (laughs) There's nothing to heal, nothing to fix, nothing to heal. So I noticed that um, um, in a minute, because I I don't want to forget, I noticed the picture that uh, I get to post on uh, the show page has a wonderful tattoo that you display that says hope. Um, Before we get there, let me ask you this question and then anything else you, you need to, well, let me ask this first. Do you, do you have any other things um, that you want to share before we get to the tattoo story? And my final question, is there anything else that, that you came prepared to tell us that is important and you would like us to know about your journey? Um, you know, I think, I think for me, and we've touched on it in a, in a ton of different ways, but I think it is becoming aware of all facets of conversion therapy. Mm. That's like, for me, that is what I will scream out as long as I can, mm-hmm. that it's not just people like me that signed up, you know, or parents mm-hmm. that sign their kids up and you go and, you know, they do a myriad of different things and different tactics, um, to change your same sex attraction. You know, Mm -hmm. the extreme of that is electroshock therapy. Um, but, but conversion therapy is also the very simplest of, if you go down in front after, you know, church on Sunday, and this is what I did as well for those heavy hitters, Holy spirit speaking in tongue, powerful women, whoever, Mm -hmm. um, because you had an impure thought or because you um, sinned over the weekend or whatever, and you go down for someone just to lay hands on you and Mm -hmm. pray the gay away, pray Mm -hmm. the spirit of perversion away. Um, That's conversion therapy. It's, it is all encompassing. um, And people need to know that. And they need to find out where their church stands in that of Mm -hmm. if my child comes out to me as gay or transgender, And I go to my pastor and I say, this has occurred. What is your pastor going to tell you? Are they going to say, I've got a great place for you to send them? Mm. Are they going to say, I know a great retreat that you need to go away with your kids or drop your kids off at this camp? Are that, you know, are they going to say this is a great bondage breaker book? 
you know, there's a whole myriad of things that's kind of that litmus test of, you know, these are all of the things that a non-affirming pastor might tell you. And you need to know that you need to know where your church is. You need to know where your church stands Mm -hmm. um, to protect those moments and to protect those kids Mm -hmm. um, and, and be an ally, you know, for your child and the information that you get, even as Mm -hmm. a parent, you know, to know it's okay Yeah. Um, to go look at some other books yeah. and read other things. And, you know, Sarah at Free Mom Hug says all the time, there is too much information out there now available to yes. remain in fear and ignorance. Yeah. There's no reason for it anymore. All yeah. the information that we need to help our kids and to celebrate our kids is out there and yeah. you just have to go get it. And spoiler alert, if you're, if you've heard a message from your pastor on Mother's Day, <laughs> you, you kind of know where they stand. So please, for the love of God, don't, don't keep going there. <laughs> I know, I know, That's you know, a lot of parents, we hear a lot of parents say, you know, I don't want to, I know that my child is LGBTQ, queer on the spectrum somewhere. They love the church. They love their friends. I don't want to pull them. I think they're going to be okay. Listen, they're not going to be okay. Uh -uh. They're not going to be okay. When they fall in love, they're not going to be okay. Uh -uh. They think this is their family and they decide they want to marry their same sex partner. They're not going to be okay Uh -uh. because they're going to be shunned. And it's like, you've had this family, you've had connection, you've done life, you've done other weddings, other funerals with these people. And when it comes down to it, they'll be rejected and you've got to find out, you've got to stand up for your kids and find out. Yeah. And we're sitting here as a 50 plus 60 plus women and we're still dealing with it. And, and we've come a long way and we're healthy and we're strong and we're, you know, we're full of goodness and we still have wounds. And so, you know, everything matters, you know, everything matters and everything that, that the parents do that the church does matters in our, ability to heal well and how long it takes. So, um, so can you tell me, uh, Oh, see, I almost forgot. I I so want to know about the tattoo, but, um, my final question, (laughs) I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. okay. My final question before the tattoo story, y'all just hang in there. I'll get to it. Um, what is, if somebody came to you and they were struggling and they, were being told these things about themselves. What is the one thing you wish someone had said to you when you were struggling? Uh, I think a a big blanket statement of there's nothing wrong with you. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Say that again. There's nothing wrong with you. And Katrina, there is nothing wrong with you. Yeah. 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 I think everyone needs to have like, that's a breath of fresh air, you know, just seeking and seeking and trying and trying, Mm -hmm. excuse me. Um, you know, gosh, if one person would have said that to me, um, that would have been amazing. And I, Mm -hmm. and I think that's why, you know, earlier talking about free mom hugs, why that is so healing, because that is a constant flow and flood of, you know, mama bears, across the country who are saying loudly, there is nothing wrong with you. Mm-hmm. And that's where the hugs come in and the care yeah. packages come in and prides and moms being nutso with their rainbow tutus and their <laughs> faces painted. And like, 
They're so excited and they're celebrating you. And if somebody would have celebrated me, I can't even imagine um, the trajectory of of my life and how it would have been different. Spiritually speaking, I have a wonderful partner and I don't want my life to be different. Yeah. Both of us have stories where our lives would have been different if as teenagers, we could have been our authentic selves. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we grieve for the lost time. Yes. But we're so grateful to have each other. Yeah. 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 And, and on a side note, I got to meet Sarah in person and get one of her hugs at the wild goose festival. And yes. I could not believe she was there. I looked for you, um, but I could not believe she was there. So that was just so sweet to see them awesome. there and the mama bear signs. That was so awesome. Yeah. All right. So please, please, please tell me the tattoo okay. story. <laughs> tattoo story is a kind of a God story. So oh, get yeah. ready. I'm ready. Um, but with free mom hugs every year uh, since 2016, we have taken a cross country tour Hmm. Um, and this is going to go with your story a little bit because we end up at an LGBTQ historical site every year on mother's day. Oh, and that is because so many in the LGBTQ community, um, don't celebrate mother's day. They don't Mm -hmm. get to go home. They don't go to church with their moms Mm -hmm. and have brunch Mm -hmm. and wear big hats and those things. Yep. Um, so for us, it was very important that that was that we had our destination and that we landed in that destination on Mother's Day. Um, And so the year that I went with Sarah was 2019 and we went to San Francisco uh, to the Castro and we called it the tour of hope because we were celebrating Harvey Milk. Oh yeah. Um, And that kind of coincided with me sharing my story about being a conversion therapy survivor. And so we, stopped at 10 different cities on our way and, you know, had little uh, meet and greets um, and got to know people and had luncheons and, you know, wonderful things like that along the way to help educate. And so we landed in San Francisco in the Castro and all along the trip, Sarah and I would joke about getting a tattoo, like Like, we're tough. We're kind of scared. Uh, but so we're in San Francisco and Sarah's adorable looking at, um, all of the trolleys, you know, everything that's just San Francisco yep. taking pictures. And we both turn around at the same time and see this little sandwich bar and, um, sandwich board. And it says, um, Castro tattoo <laughs> and it's a hole in the wall, like kind of stare, like you think you're in a movie. Right. And oh, wow. we looked at each other. And it was like, let's just go, let's just go look. Like, we're not going to commit. Let's just yeah, go look. Right. <laughs> so we walk in and we get into the waiting area and there are two women sitting on a couch and they kind of look at us and their eyes got really big. And they said, oh my gosh, are, are you really them? <laughs> and we, you know, on the tour, we wear free mom hugs clothing all the okay. time. Okay. Go on the front. That's kind of, we call it our billboard. And that, you know, if you don't say a word, people know you're safe. Mm -hmm. Um, but we also use those for our events and prides and all that kind of stuff. So they saw our hoodies and, um, said, are you really the free mom hug people? And we said, yes. And they looked at Sarah and they said, are you really the free mom hug mom? And she said, yes, I am. And they said, you don't know what you have meant to us. We follow you on Instagram. Um, and then they began to share that they are a lesbian couple married Mm -hmm. and have been foster parents 
uh, oh. to a number of kiddos. And one of those kids uh, was a young man who was transgender. Mm. And um, they ended up adopting him. His name is Ethan. Oh. And so they adopted Ethan and, you know, raised him with all that he needed, um, affirming home and foster brothers and sisters everywhere. And uh, three months prior to our visit, finding them, seeing them in this tattoo shop, they had come home and Ethan had taken his own life. Oh, oh. yeah. And um, so in that moment, we all kind of realized this divine timing that had occurred. Mm -hmm. um, this couple was from Kansas and they had planned their trip um, long before Ethan had passed away and had decided to continue with the trip that Ethan would want them to still go and that they were going to get tattoos in his memory and in oh. his honor. And so the things that occurred, you know, traffic, lunch delay, honestly, our hotel caught on fire before we left. <laughs> I mean, there were all kinds of things. And Sarah and I knew we were like, this is divine because any other second difference and we would not have met this couple. Yeah. And so we decided to get the word hope because it was a tour of hope. So that was the word that we chose to get tattooed. Mm -hmm. And then I knew at that moment that I wanted the E to be capitalized on my tattoo. And oh. oh. because to me, the message is that even in a lesbian home, a married lesbian couple, fully mm -hmm. affirming all the information that you need, both work in the mental health profession supportive foster kids all around you. It was too hard for Ethan to be Ethan in America. Mm -hmm. oh and that's God. the message for me. So when anybody says, you know, what's that tattoo or why is the E different? Or like that has been my mission of if I have a moment to talk about Ethan, um, I'm going to talk about Ethan. Because oh, I'm so glad he you represents, you know, what we need to fix. Mm -hmm. And, and we have, you know, working at free mom hugs when it all went viral and it was so crazy and amazing and wonderful. And everybody wanted to volunteer and everybody wanted to do it. There was this feeling of, we kept pulling kids out of the river, like kids are drowning mm -hmm. and they've been wounded and they're hurt. And we're pulling them out of the river. We just keep pulling them out, pulling them out, pulling them out, trying to help them. And, you know, as we began to grow as a nonprofit, it became clear to us that we've got to go up river we've got to stop people from throwing these kids in, in the first place. Amen. And so that's where we've changed mm -hmm. the mission of free mom hugs. Obviously we rescue kids out and we hug them, mm -hmm. um, but yeah. we also focus on education. We've got to tell stories. We've got to have these conversations mm -hmm. so that, you know, parents don't think it's okay when their kid comes out to kick them out and make them homeless. Yes. And they don't think that they should go to this camp that you don't know what they're really going to do to your kid when they get there. Yes. You know, so we, this is like the mission of all of us is this mm. is a river. Let's go up river now and stop them from being thrown in, in the first place. Oh my God. That one got to me there, Katrina. That one got me because all he needed was for the world to say, there's nothing wrong with you. Right. That's what you needed. That's what Ethan needed. That's what all of our kids need. That's what we need it, because, and I said this too, that I was so tired of 
every administration either takes our rights away or gives us rights, and then they get taken away again. And to always put your hope into the next administration, well, then there's always going to be another damn administration. And what are they going to do? So how many heterosexuals have to gauge whether or not an election for the free world, for the equality for all, is going to take our health care, our safety. You know, people like Ethan was not, they're not safe. Right. I can pass. You know, I'm I'm white. I, I don't look necessarily gay enough sometimes. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. I can pass. It's a privilege. It is a privilege. However, you know, there are so many that can't and and they they are always at risk. We're at risk just in general, because, you know, if somebody did find out, you could lose your job, you could get beat up, whatever, but, but we can also still pass. Ethan in his transition period was not passing and he was at risk and he was probably tormented every day, not by family and not by friends and not by people who loved him, but enough, enough torture to where that was his, his answer. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I hear a lot of people these days, um, you know, as the LGBTQ community does become more visible on shows and even running for office and politics and all the Mm -hmm. things and kids get more freedom and there's more GSAs and Mm -hmm. all of that going on. Mm -hmm. You know, there's definitely people that say, you know, why, why are more people transgender now? And, you know, why are all these kids doing this now? And why are all these old people coming out as transgender now? Uh It's like, well, there is this element, but it's a big catch 22 element of there is certain pockets of the world and the culture and society where that education comes in. Kids actually know what they're feeling. They actually can identify and say, you know, I think I might be pansexual. I think Mm -hmm. I might be bisexual. I think I might be transgender. Like, they're actually able to have conversations that you and I never had Oh no! any kind of like Mm-mm. introspection to figure out what we Mm-mm. were feeling or thinking or dealing with. Mm-mm. But in that ability that now more people are able to come out, the catch 22 is they are more at risk, Yes, right? More transgender women of color are murdered than ever before in history mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they're taking the step to be their authentic selves but with the ignorance that still is being taught, they're at risk. Yes. So that's where we, we have to change it too. We have to still make the world safe for them to come out too. I think we've done some good work in mm-hmm. making it easier for people to come out in that they understand themselves better. Mm-hmm. Yes. But I think that we haven't done a good enough job in making them have a soft landing mm. once they figure it out because the rest of the world is not ready for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. You, you are an amazing woman and mm-hmm. I am so grateful that that Netflix thing came across my, my Facebook and it was like, we're having a live meeting. Oh, really? Yeah, ah, yeah. That was just amazing. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Katrina, for being here today and honoring us with your faith journey story. And I am just in awe of you and all that you guys do with the free mom hugs. And I just thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for doing what you do because stories matter. We Mm -hmm. see change in relationships and, and ideas 
um, yeah. just by sharing stories, just yeah. people, you know, having a friend that is transgender, yeah. then you get it right. Then you mm-hmm. understand. And, yeah. I, and that's it. We just need yeah. to help everybody understand. Yeah. So, and thank you listeners for coming back each week, supporting, sharing, and subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to see more information and links to connect with Katrina, go to the Gay With God podcast when this episode is aired. And you can find that show page at empoweredmidge.podbean.com. If you are questioning whether you can be gay and be in relationship with God, if you are authentically gay, God has always been within you. Even when you didn't know it, you have always been gay with the God of your understanding. Thank you, everybody. See you next week and stay tuned to hear how you can join the Gay With God community. And if you are on Facebook, you can always look up the Facebook group that I'm running called Gay With God. Talk to you later. I want to invite you to become a part of the Gay With God community. How can you do that? Stay connected by messaging me your thoughts and comments in the comment section under the downloads of the show on the Gay With God show page. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen and share, share, share so we can increase our community outreach and be a light to those who are struggling to claim their faith. Consider being a sponsor so I can highlight your service in our community. We are all worthy of respect and a relationship with the God of our understanding. I want to thank you in advance for supporting this podcast. Together, we as a community will keep this show visible and our community stronger. Deep gratitude to my friend Tim McClendon of Tim McClendon Music for allowing me to use an excerpt from Interlude 4, a song found on his CD entitled Sundance.